0: Welcome to Been There, Done That, a pandemic survival podcast. In this show, we'll be talking to some real-life experts on how to get through this time filled with unexpected changes, challenges, and maybe even feelings of hopelessness. And those experts are everyday people like you and me. Turns out we may be more prepared for this moment than we realize. So let's get started and see what we can relearn. So this is a very special interview. Um, Some folks might have noticed by now that the people I interview are dear to my heart, though many of them are far away, uh, geographically speaking. Folks who I've met through work, through life, through trying to just exist in the world, and many are very close friends. And today we have an interview between me and my sister. I have two sisters, I'm the youngest of three, and this is my middle sister, Lena. So Lena, thank you for making the time. I know you're busy right now, even though many of us are like, what time? I've got all the time in the world. But when you're at home with two children and your mother, I think time becomes more like the old time than it is for many of us who um, feel a little out of sorts. So I would love if you could let the listeners know where you are right now, what city, what state, are you inside or outside, we're assuming you're home, what's the weather like, and today is April 2nd, 2020. Where are you, sis?
1: All right, well, hello, <laughs> number one. Um, <clears throat> I am in Orange, California. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I am at home. I am secluding myself in um, our mother's room because I feel that's the best place to hide.
0: <laughs> well, she does, she does a good job of hiding there herself most of the time. So, yes, well played.
1: And we say hide because, yes, as you mentioned, we've got three generations in this house. And it could be our mother trying to find me and asking me for something. It could be the 19-year-old, you know, coming across or the 10-year-old. I did, however, warn them all that I was going to be in the interview to leave me alone, but that may not stop them.
0: That so. may not. And what our listeners cannot see but I can, is that in this current time of using Zoom to communicate, which we are doing for the sake of these interviews, people are putting these virtual backgrounds behind them so that you could literally be anywhere for someone who's actually looking at you on Zoom. So this is a feature in Zoom that way too many people are using, and that includes you, sis. So can you describe the background that you are giving me at least, where are you imagining or wishing you were actually talking to me from right now?
1: So my background is in Oahu, the island of Oahu, Hawaii, and um, I'm on the beach with a diamond head, in the background with a bunch of beach goers because I figured, hey, if Zoom is going to give me the option of being anywhere, well, hot diggity dog, I'm going to be in Hawaii then. Yes. <laughs> so. and,
0: and when we were children, we regularly went to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Our uh, father owned uh, Union 76 gas stations and there was an mm-hmm. annual convening and convention of business owners. And my father never went, but my mom would send uh, me and the girls with her on these trips. And sometimes we'd have cousins and grandparents with us. And Oahu um, was a pretty great and regular frequent yeah, location for the conventions. And so I too wish I was there. Unfortunately, having it in the background isn't enough for me. I need more. I need the smells. I need the sounds. Um, and right now I'm thinking about coconuts and pineapples. So I'm just going to pretend I can't see your Hawaii behind there because it's very distracting. It's not actually giving me comfort. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so here's, here's the next question um, I have for you. Can you describe your life before the COVID-19 pandemic began. And, and also let us know for you, when did it begin? So what was life like right before it? And what is life like now? And highlight anything, if at all, that's different. And for our listeners, Lena is writing these things down um and that's and that's okay she don't want to forget the question so what was life like before the <laughs> pandemic when was the pandemic in your life and uh what are things like now you got this sis she's still writing them down so one one second you know, everyone so funny.
1: <laughs> i was a student for so many years that whenever certain things like this i'm i'm a note taker so it's just what I do. I can't even read books for pleasure without highlighting and marking and annotating inside the
0: book. I think many of us are like that. So it's, it's okay. It's okay. Go ahead. <clears throat> Magazines. I even did that with, anyway. okay. That might be too far. That might be too far.
1: <clears throat> um, okay. So life for me, which I'm going to share things just because I think it may be of value for other people in similarly situated, so I'm going to get personal, because figure there's, there has to be purpose to one's struggles, and when you're struggling, if you can share that struggle with someone else, that might help them, it kind of makes the struggle not be so, oh, it gives it more purpose. Yes. Anyway, um, I have been, quote unquote, battling clinical depression for uh almost hold on kids years. hold on
0: kids we have to do some math <laughs> we have to do some math okay almost 30 years Got it.
1: <laughs> almost 30 years because I was 19 um during my first episode and I'm 47 now and um so right before the pandemic things had gotten pretty bad for me um but previous to that, the the dip right before the pandemic, um, I, for the last year, uh, had been working, well, for the last year, I had been working uh, doing uh, production accounting for reality television in L.A.
0: Oh, and, wow. <laughs> ooh, okay. Okay. Production accounting. Glamour. Reality TV in L.A. Got it. Okay.
1: Yeah. For such shows like Bar Rescue.
0: Uh, <laughs> I don't even know that show, but I'm sure somebody does. Thank you. Yeah,
1: I'm sure somebody does. Um, anyway, um, but previous to that, I had been home for the last six and a half years uh, doing just side jobs here and there um, that were related to law helping people do their um, advanced health care directives, or if they needed uh, a simple trust or, um, Simple uh, amendments to their trust because I have my law degree and um, uh, God, I'm getting, I'm going too far back. But just to give the sum, uh, I have my law degree and never passed the bar. My oldest one, who's 19, has a congenital heart defect, and once she got sick, everything like career-wise just got put on the back burner because she was often um, hospitalized um, from the time her first hospitalization is when she was eight months and through her open heart surgery, when she was seven, she was hospitalized at least once a year that was at a minimum and maybe two or three times and would be sick from October to March. Um, And I, constant uh issues with like upper respiratory infections and making sure that she was okay and doing her breathing treatments and so anyway six years ago between dealing with uh stuff with raising her and my own depression and um, my mom suggested hey i take some time off and she would help support me while i took care of the kids so an initial suggestion turned into six and a half years of me being at home, which now I look at as a huge gift because I got to be a stay at home mom and really enjoy my kids. Um, growing up we never got to have my mom work full time and we never got to have that mom. That was the parent mom or the mom that went on the field trips. And, um, I got to do all that with them. Um, Okay, back to where we were. Uh, so this was the first job that I had had in six and a half years. And um, so let me go back. So I have the night, so right before the pandemic, I have the 19 year old with the congenital heart defect, who's in her second year of college at UC Santa Barbara,
0: mm-hmm.
1: living with the 74 year old mom who's retired and at home and a 10 year old who's in fifth grade. And So, the previous year when I started working, it was a big transition because it was the 19 year old's first year and the first time that my 10 year old had to deal with mom, with her mom, with me being gone. So, anyway, come fifth grade and right before the pandemic, I went through a uh, major depressive episode. I just lost it. The uh, commute to work was an hour to hour and a half. Each way, each day. Um, so then I'd get home by seven thirty, eight o'clock. Have to do homework with the kid, feed her, go to bed, get up, repeat. And uh, things were wearing on my mom with that routine as well. And uh, and so the pandemic stuff happened. What, Michaela? I think, huh? Pandemic to me really st- affected our household a lot in. March, but I guess we started hearing about things by the end of february mm. um, and so so February things start to happen with the pandemic, but even back in November, my mom had an incident where she fell in the driveway on her face and had a big knot in the on her forehead, like the size of a potato and It took me three hours to get from l a to the emergency room and So I was just under a lot of stress. And then things at work, uh, I had a really (laughs) interesting um, supervising manager who uh, just made work miserable. So anyway, I became um, passively suicidal. I absolutely hated life and living and was angry every morning that I woke up and had to face another day. And so, and it's not the first time that I have felt that way, but it was um, just one morning that my mom happened to ask me as I was getting ready to drive the 10-year-old to school and she's waiting in the car and she said, are you okay? And I said, no, I'm not. And I just (laughs) started to shout that I hated being alive and, but that, hey, I had to go to work and I had to take this kid to school and I would figure it out. And uh, I get in the car, the 10-year-old's crying because <laughs> she felt bad that I had said that. And, you know, the 10-year-old had been rough for a while, <clears throat> as 10-year-olds can be, with not wanting to get up in the morning. And uh, had some mornings, I'm sure some other preteens will shout, I hate you. And uh, she had done that to me for a few mornings. And I said, well, hey, at least you didn't tell me you hated me this morning. <laughs> and she felt horrible, of course. So, anyway, uh, I was uh, lucky to have uh, good insurance at that job, and I was able to get into a really good outpatient treatment program at one of the local hospitals over here, and I've been in uh, outpatient group therapy since February 25th, and it has been... A really, really positive experience learning uh, better coping skills, um, meeting people who are successful professionals who have dealt with and are dealing with the same thing, so I feel like I'm not alone. Um, and so right before the ice, the self isolating stay at home. Uh, things started happening across uh, the country and in our state I had been going to the outpatient group meetings initially the meetings were from nine to three and then they were just nine to twelve and I had just started the nine to twelve sessions when everyone was told that they should uh, stay at home and uh, the weekend before the stay at home thing is when the universities started shutting down and my daughter was told that um, they were no longer going to have classes in person, that they were going to start having them online. Right. And um, with my daughter, it's always been a super sensitive thing when she would just get a regular cold. I'm always just like on edge when she gets a cold, hoping she doesn't get a pneumonia because she's prone to pneumonia. And if she gets pneumonia and it goes badly, she could die. So if I'm on edge with a regular cold, you can only imagine how the (laughs) coronavirus scenario has been for us as a family, for me as an individual, and I can only imagine how horrid it must be for her to think of if she gets this virus that she would likely not survive it. It would be a miracle if she survives it. Um, So that's very unsettling. So um, she came home on a Friday thinking at that time, the projections were, and they've changed daily every day. It's something different on how things should be handled or how they predict things will be or what the new protocols are or how many people have it. And every day it's something different. So with the schools, the first thing they said is, okay, we're going online on Friday. You can come back at the end of April. And that was, i think thursday wednesday but saturday night so she came home friday saturday night they said oh actually now we're not coming back until the fall so everything's online through the fall and you should move out of the dorms if you're not going to be living in santa barbara for some reason but i guess there's like international students and other family situations where kids can't move back home or they didn't have a home to move back to so they could stay in the dorms but for me with my child it was get her things and get her out um and back home as as soon as possible because we didn't want things to get worse with the virus and exposure. So we headed back the next day and and moved her things out of the dorm. Luckily this year, it just so happened that she ended up in a single. So she was by herself versus last year. She was in a triple with two other people. So things kind of, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways kind of (laughs) thing. It was actually, I guess a blessing in retrospect that she ended up in a single this year. So she was already isolated when things started, um,
0: so, so then now, yeah,
1: that was life before, yeah, and how it began for us. So yeah. we moved her home the weekend of the the thirteenth, right before uh, St. Patrick's Day week, and uh, now, so now, um, it's very. It's surreal <laughs> because, you know, we...
0: Says we the person who is, you know, in front of a virtual picture of <laughs> of Hawaii. So, yes, please go on. Please keep telling us about this surrealness.
1: Yeah, this everything about it. So this, you know, being in Hawaii is just par for the course right now. That That's, you know, part of my wannabe reality. Yes. Considering yes. what the actual reality <laughs> is. So... I mean, because the, the previous reality was the 19 year old's living on her own in Santa Barbara. The 10 year old's going to school every day in Tustin. Grandma is doing grandma duties, picking up, and the, the younger one and doing uh, grandma things and having her solo time. Before, well, before, you know, just weeks before I had been working. And then even when I was at least going to um, groups, you know, I was gone from nine to 12 or nine to three, and then I'd be home. Yeah. Um, but as soon as everything happened, I said, I am no longer going to go to the groups because I, I immediately had overwhelming fear take over once uh, things got serious with uh, the virus, the stay at home orders, how uh, orders and how contagious it is and people dying. And because um, my first thought is I've got two high risk people at home. That being my seventy-four-year-old mother and my daughter with a heart defect, because I feel like, according to how they say statistically, that it's most likely that the little one and I would survive it well. But who knows? There's then they've been showing lately that there's healthy people with no yeah. underlying issues who are young yeah. and they still die. So it's just like yeah. a total random lottery. Just any this could, this could, mortally affect anyone or fatally affect anyone yes but it's most likely to fatally affect the two that i have the most at risk here
0: so um it's basically like this if you were to play bingo and you only had one card when you were playing bingo your chances of getting a win in a game is low But if you have two bingo cards, four bingo cards, 10 bingo cards, your chances increase. So your oldest, who has a um, heart defect, yes, she's got so many bingo cards. I mean, this girl's (laughs) going to win, right? And your mom, who's my mom, so our mom, also has a shit ton of bingo cards. And you and the 10-year-old have one each. So we're all playing bingo, but some of us, we all have a chance to win. We all have a chance to win, (laughs) to win it, to win the ultimate cruise with God. Yes. We, we could all win that. Um, but some of us are destined to, um, to win it sooner. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so now everyone's doing the same things, but at home. Yeah.
1: Well, not necessarily. Well, yeah. So, uh, Luckily, the therapy things ended up switching to online. It's it's really remarkable how many things now are all done telecommuting. It I was uh, commenting to, like my my daughter, my oldest daughter, and my mom, uh, just today or the other day, how all the TV shows right now, everyone's doing their television things from home. The newscasters are all doing their parts of the news,
0: Yeah, Skype or Zoom. Yeah, Yeah, that's important, right? What do you mean, TV shows are right now on Zoom? Like what? Yeah, The View. Everyone on The View,
1: the talk show, everyone's doing their interviews. And like, so they're all on a screen. Everyone's doing their...
0: So there's no, so essentially there's no live studio audience anymore. There's no No. one place where everyone gathers, whether that's press for news or talk television, everyone is still doing what they were doing, but all virtually and from home and from screens. So we're together and not at the same time.
1: To newscasters, to late night talk shows, to daytime talk shows, um mean, I had a follow-up doctor's appointment because when I had my little uh, breakdown, I was put on disability and I had a, a follow-up disability appointment with my doctor and I did that virtually.
0: But let's be clear. It wasn't a little breakdown because <laughs> a little breakdown wouldn't take you then to be on disability, right? So, like, you know, let's just, let's just call it a breakdown and maybe not measure it for now.
1: Hey, look, I'm trying to be gentler with myself. <laughs> so Yes, sis. Um,
0: Sorry. Anyway,
1: so it's it's it is such a different thing for all four of us now to be under the same roof constantly. And that I'm sure as with our household I was going to say as with any, but it's different because, okay, so some people that I have in my therapy group now, because we're all still doing therapy from nine to three, but just on our phones. Yeah. And we get to see, and it's good because we all get to see each other with the virtual thing, everybody on your, on your phone or on your um, laptop, you've got these screens. And so these squares will come up with everyone's faces so you can all see each other and interact. You're just not in person.
0: Can I ask you a question about that really quick? Do you think that had you started the, um, program with like group therapy and things like that. Do you think that that? would have been because you you sounded like you you really got things from it you're still in it and so it seems to be working and successful and helpful do you think it would have been all of those things successful helpful meaningful had it started online or did the impact really have its moment when you all were in person and it's just translating with some you know sort of faith that it still is the same by translating to it being online could it have worked the same would you have felt as comfortable why not I don't think um, it it
1: and it could it could just be because I'm in a different place now when the that ther- the, we're doing the the teletherapy, yeah, but um I think when we when I was there in person, we got um, a lot more um Deeper on issues, and and I don't know if it's just you know the, the the way the therapists who are moderators are are doing the talks or whatever, but and maybe it's just where I was at the time. I uh, oh god, I cried so much the first two weeks, um, and there was a lot of deep conversations with the people that were there. But so I don't know. It's like I don't know which which came first. I don't know right. if it's a matter of the being together or if it was just the people who were there in group at the time. Yeah. Um, but it is a very different experience from there to now. And I'm, I'm really comfortable with these people. Um, and we already have the deep bond that, uh, a really deep bond from sharing a lot of really intimate personal things when we were together. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the thing is too, okay. So when you're doing, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just different because when you're doing the, the telehealth thingy, um, you can turn off, people tend to turn off their video cameras because yeah. you're at home and if you have to do something, sure. you know, you, you want to keep stuff personal. But when you're in together in group, you're seeing each other all the time and seeing like, oh, I can tell that person feels really bad today. Yeah, Um, And you're seeing their reactions to when you talk or somebody else's talks or just how they're feeling throughout the discussion. Whereas um, right now you're only seeing them when they happen to talk.
0: Which is interesting because what you're sharing is that when you can be in the same physical place, you you pretty much are like leaving something behind right you're leaving distractions behind you're leaving other things that will not keep you focused Right from like your purpose of being together, and I, and I see that too. Like you know, I go to AA meetings, and when we're in AA meetings together physically, we'll have these messages at the beginning. You know, like please turn off your phones, make sure they're not distracting, and and people kind of give each other stare looks if you're like looking at each other's if you're looking at your phone. Like oh um, hello, are we in this meeting or what? Right, like and so when you're in the same physical place, that safety that the place feels like a safe place where you can really be all of who you are. Part of that is be, is happens because of what you leave behind to really be centered and present. And because you're actually trying to pay attention to things outside of you, not you. And what happens in these, in these teleconferences and these zooms and these other moments that we are having to be in right now is that for example, right now I can see myself. And you can see yourself as we're talking. And it's incredibly distracting to then notice. You never notice. see yourself. When you you're out never in the real world see. Exactly. When you're out in the world interacting with people, you don't then have a mirror. Although we have a selfie culture um, where we're constantly you know, not asking people anymore, hey, will you take this picture of me and my family? Hey, will you take this picture of me here? We no longer engage even in just asking for help. Instead, I can do it myself. I can do it myself. And so now we're in this moment where we can see everything. And there's nothing more fun than being vulnerable and seeing what you look like when you're vulnerable. That is the ultimate shit show. Let's look at what I look like when I cry. Let's look at what I look like when I make the really you know, ugly cry face, right? So it's different, it is different. And if we're learning in that environment, how often do you also have a mirror on your school desk? If you're teaching in this environment, how often are you videotaping yourself teaching and then looking at it at the same time, right? And so for those of us too, like myself, I don't like looking in the mirror. There were years in my life that I didn't have, deliberately did not have a mirror in my home because I didn't really want to see myself or it was a very small mirror where I only had to look at essentially my face and nothing else because I really didn't like anything else. And so when I moved from doing telecommuting for work Ooh, girl, this was a hard transition because I was forced to see myself and not just the part I wanted to see from about the midsection up, which has these details that I really don't like called boobs. And so for me, being genderqueer and being in the middle and liking being in the middle of my gender, I don't actually get to see the part that I like, which is my pants and my cute tannies. So this, this is a really uh, captivating moment in time because it's forcing us to do things that maybe we do or don't like, and that might be barriers to us being successful in the things we're being asked to do. And yet we are here. So. And I'll
1: say this about it as well. So there was a gap of a week between having the in-person groups and having the virtual groups mm-hmm. because, you know, this has been a big transition for everybody. And at the time the hospital didn't have virtual groups, but because the need has arisen yeah. because yeah. of you no know, one wanting to get exposed mm-hmm. and at the risk of losing so many people or just having things more comfortable, right. uh, to be able to do virtually because I guess the week after the couple of days after I left or quit going in person, um, all the, the hospital's uh, rules changed like they had done before when the swine flu was out, which is whenever there's a big flu outbreak, all the hospitals Shit. say no visitors. And only right. patients can go in. And mm-hmm. so they with this uh, new thing, they started taking everyone's temperature before you right. entered the building. Yes. And if you had a temperature, you couldn't even go to group, even if yes. you were trying to go to group. Yes. What I heard, mm-hmm. you know, after I had left. So some people got denied entrance. Yeah. Um, so at least this was able to bring people like me back that left because we're afraid of bringing something home. Yeah. And those that had a high fever, you know, they were, Denied. So anyway, so it took a week. So I had a week of no grouping at all, and I was very thankful when I was able to have the groups back again. Yeah. Um. So I will say, even though it's different and it's not quite as um, intimate, I would much rather have the option of virtual grouping versus zero.
0: Yeah, I mean, being able to access the resources that you need, regardless of how we're getting them, works, right? Um, We see that happen, but with some criticism, when there are other kinds of, you know, disastrous moments, for example, when there are hurricanes. And if you had a hurricane run through your community, literally run through your house, and now you no longer have the necessities um, for day-to-day living, and you go to the store that is closed and you break in to get the food that you need, the shoes that you need, the resources that you need, we call those folks looters or we call them uh, folks doing what is needed to survive. And we you know, tend to call people of particular skin colors, you know, the darker your skin, the less we are open to you, quote, doing what you need to do to survive. The more stigma uh, your community or your identity has, the more we're like, are you surviving? Or are you taking advantage of this situation? And so, you know, this is a moment where folks are trying to make accessible what we need. And at the same time, you know, we're also hearing stories of folks having uh, an increase in gun sales and ammunition and that places that sell these things are still considered essential and haven't shut down right now, right? So there's, there's a very interesting dynamic happening right now where so far we haven't heard stories of folks being uh, shot, killed, um, we've heard people getting uh, picked up and put in prisons in Louisiana, for example, in New Orleans, um, if they are out right now and not following certain um, guidelines. And it's it's a very interesting moment right now, where we don't have national guard and police forcing people into homes using you know tactics of and if you do, these are the harsh you know repercussions. We're not there yet, but it I depends think depends on
1: where you're at. Um, I've heard that in other States like, um, Maryland, they're starting different States are starting to hand out fines and cite people for not yes.
0: Yes. obeying
1: in California. There's nothing like that. But in Maryland, they're finding people up to $5,000. If you are middle- out. When you're not supposed to be, you're not out for an essential purpose. If mm-hmm. you're just social gathering, because there's been too much of that. And then there's another place where it's up to $500 for just obeying. So there's a, yeah. there's a big range. And I, frankly, I wish they would do it for not for like being out for essential, but if you're out social gathering, if you're in a group, not just out, but in a group, you know, just hanging out at the park, barbecuing. Yeah. yeah no, give them a citation. You should be home. And I mean, that's walking the street. It's
0: different. I mean, that's the thing that's happening right now. Those of us like yourself, like our family members, like myself, who are closest to the harm. We have all the bingo cards, right? Like we're going to win this damn thing. We're the ones most afraid, most needing folks to do behaviors and live their lives potentially differently in order for them to help us and aid us stay alive and be safe. It's a, it's a very different kind of, of thing because if you're furthest away from that potential harm, you don't understand this. I mean, you're like, well, why can't I, I think go that's out? That's true.
1: I, I think from, it, from people that I've seen friends on social media, it's just segments of society. There are some segments of society that truly do not care so much about others, they only care about what affects them individually, and they will live their life accordingly. Hey, this doesn't affect me individually, so I'm going to do me. And if it affects somebody else, that's their problem, not my problem, which there's a large segment of society that conducts itself in that way. But then there's another segment of society that cares about others, the community, those outside of themselves, and are going to conduct themselves accordingly for the greater good. And I've seen so much of that with different friends of mine on social media, different families who are outraged in seeing others who aren't following the social distancing guidelines that are out there for the benefit of everyone. Um, And they don't have any high risk people, but that's just the kind of people that they are. But then you've got these other people that don't give two hoots as long as it's not affecting them. And so they're going to go and do them. And, uh, af- unfortunately, you know, it's either segments of society or you could say different age groups. I, I'm on a, um, <clears throat> parent group of Santa Barbara parents and these poor parents with their college kids. Cause so many college age kids are like, because it's been put out that that age group is not going to be highly affected if you don't have any underlying conditions. So many of them are just continuing to visit their friends, visit their
0: boyfriends. So do you think that 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 is part of the problem right now? That out the gate, we said, you're doing this for really old people, not you're doing this for you. Do you think it would have been different if we would have said, we all could possibly die from this. That's why you have to stay home.
1: Yep. Yep. I mean, I'm sure if these kids had all from the get-go said, hey, any, anyone can get this, I think it would have affected people overall. But then again, all, this generation or that age group also has that invincibility type of a thing that it's just not going to happen to me. You know,
0: I mean, I just I like did with hear- smoking
1: or vaping. It's like with anything else that there's a risk. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. not going to happen to me. So you're going to have that segment of the population that no matter what, it's not going to happen to me. But then if you have others, that's going to be like, Oh, well, I mean, it's different where it's like, okay, it's likely it's not likely you're just, you're just going to have that group that just doesn't care until it's very close to home.
0: And then, so how do you explain the other day when our 74 year old mother, (laughs) who's not a teenager who wasn't on spring break, who I don't think she thinks she's invincible. Oh no got upset, was not feeling like she could do what she normally does to calm herself, to soothe herself, to make life livable, right? Our mom, in the beginning of March, when we were just barely starting to hear things happening in other countries and maybe possibly coming here, our mom went on her last monthly turnaround to the casinos trip She wore a mask. She had gloves, but did she play those slots? Oh, yes, she did. Did she win? Not really. Did she lose? Yes, just like every month. And she came back happy. But now, going to the pool and the gym, not an option. Going to the store to get in some steps, not an option. Going to the monthly casino with the old people, not an option. Being at home while you're gone or while the girls are gone at school, not an option. So, our mom just this week, decided I'm going to take a drive, which me and our other older sister advocated. You don't feel good, mom. It's cool. You don't have to stay home. You can go for a walk outside. You don't want to go for a walk outside. Go in your car. Nobody says you can't be in your car and go for a drive and call us. No, our mom got in the car and Lena, my sister here, was on Google Maps. We're tracking our mom. Where'd she go? Where'd she go? Do you think she's at the cemetery? No, probably not there. What is she doing on this street? Oh my God. She comes home And she went to the 99 cent store with gloves and a mask on. And she came back with the most essential, important things that had to be gotten on that day, candy and snacks. Why did she do that?
1: Now, first of all, let's get the story clear. Um, (laughs) Yeah. These two genius sisters of mine who don't live with her, encourage her oh yeah go take a drive okay you should consult the one sister that lives with her first Uh, of all the phrase that comes out
0: all the time
1: to Mm -hmm. the elder
0: yes we should have checked in with the parent i'm sorry we didn't check in with you i'm
1: the one who lives with i know anyway so these two geniuses tell her hey go take a drive which i don't have a problem with take a drive and like i told her after everything if you need to get away get away but go somewhere that's open Right now, okay, so just to give a, a clear picture of what's going on in this day and age, the one of the most dangerous places to go right now that's an essential place to go is the supermarket. That's, you would never think of the supermarket being a dangerous place, but it is because that's the one place where everybody has to go for essential items for food. So the place that you want to avoid if you can at all with your high risk is the supermarket. So mm-hmm. early on into this what I did was like okay, I'm the only one who can go because you the other two adults in the house you're too at high at risk. So I will go. And then even after I was going I'm like but I don't want to bring anything back because what if I get it and then I bring it back to the house? I can't afford that either. So I have enlisted friends of mine who are going to the store for us i have three outside sources that are willing to go to the store for us and have gone for us and the day before the day that my mom decided to do this outing i had a friend coming over to go to the store for us so there was absolutely zero need for her to go
0: um, not if I the need it. not if the need was for anyone else right there was no need to go to the store on behalf of the family but mom there was nothing in
1: the house that we needed no. and if she needed to get out she could get out Like I said, go take a drive, go take a walk. You want to go to a park or just a different area to just get away from us and and go walk, go for it. But don't go inside of a store where there have been multiple people from all walks of life who we don't know if they've had masks on, who we don't know what they've been touching, who we don't know if they're sick, who we don't know who they've been in contact with. They keep saying that right now there could be people asymptomatic who are carrying this virus. And I mean, that's just the worst place you the worst place you could possibly be right now is mm-hmm. a store. And she goes in. I lost it. And in retrospect, I'm like, you know, I think I could have had a discussion with her calmly when she came home. Yeah. But I didn't, I was not calm. I was furious because I thought to myself, why on God's green earth would you put your own life at risk? Your own, because If you go out, you're the one who's going to get it. And then why would you put all of our lives at risk? Especially my 19-year-old who is the most at risk in this house.
0: So how How did you resolve this? How
1: could you put all of our lives at risk like that? And you would think, okay, that's so melodramatic, putting everyone's life at risk for going to the grocery store. That sounds outrageous. If you had told me that a few months ago, I'd have been like, what the hell is wrong with you?
0: (laughs) but But let's be clear but let's be clear it should be but it should be outrageous it should be outrageous Right. because we shouldn't be living in in this kind of a situation we are here now and i'm not trying to go back to a past that we cannot travel to and fix things again but i also don't want us to ever lose sight of the fact that this is not normal this should not become normalized and that there are ways in which we can work together to prevent something like this happening again. But if we just go with, this is the new normal, and this is just how it is, then this is how it will be. And so how did the conflict resolve? Is mom still at the store or is she still in punishment somewhere?
1: No, well, so let me, let me tell you what the, the, Okay, I'll tell you how I how we dealt with it and then what we usually do for the groceries because it just is such an abnormal thing. But so when she came home, I, I at first I I was like cuz I knew exactly where she went because I was tracking her. And as my sister, my sister, "Oh, we we talked to her about going to the cemetery. I'm sure that's where she's going." And as I'm talking to, you know, Miss Felicia here, the interviewer, I'm like, uh, yeah, no, that's not where she's going. She's on this street, which is nowhere near the cemetery.
0: And I continue. Again, to her, I we go, did not tell her, mom, when you're feeling bad, why don't you risk everything and go to the store?
1: <laughs> so then I go horror of all horrors. I'm like, oh, my God, Felicia. She's in the parking lot with a 99 cent store. Well, maybe she's just gonna sit in her car. Nope. She's getting I was trying to give the her store. the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, oh my God, she's in the store. I was praying.
0: Store. I was like, please stay in the car. Please stay in the car. Please stay in the car.
1: And then I kept watching and watching, and it was just longer and longer that she was in that damn store. Anyways, when she came home, I'm like, so uh did you turn your tracker off? Because I couldn't find because she turned she I don't know if she disabled it or if it just happened to be that the regular tracker on Find My Family was off. But then I also have her find my iPhone passcodes. So that's how I tracked her because she turned off one but didn't realize I could still track her on the other.
0: Kids listening at home and also older elders who are tracked by their children. Surveillance is real. Surveillance is real. It doesn't have to be the government. It could also (laughs) be your loved ones. Be prepared. It's a problem.
1: Anywho, when she comes out, I'm like, "Did you not get my texts or my phone calls?" She's like, "Because I tried to act like I didn't know what she had just done. Like I wasn't following her the whole time. Like a mother with a teenager." Kids and folks
0: listening at home, if the adult in your life starts asking you, "Like, so, uh, where you were? Already where were you?" Just, just asking questions, and they sound like they're playing dumb. It is a play. They know where you've been. Don't uh-huh. lie. <laughs> and she's like,
1: oh, my ringer was off. I just now saw your text. Because originally I had said, hey, mom, um, did you just go for a drive? Where did you go? She never answered. Hey, mom, uh, are you feeling okay? Were you upset? Did you just need to get away? If you did, that's okay. Just, you know, be safe. Be safe. So many
0: options. So Let many options. Know. Make good choices. Make, yeah. good choices. Make
1: good choices. Be safe. <laughs> None of that. So she never answers. She comes home. And, I, and then she's like, well, can you help me get stuff off the car? And she has two <gasps> big bottles then, of Gatorade. Wait,
0: then she has the and audacity to ask you for help.
1: Uh-huh. Oh. And I'm like, what? I go, what did you do?
0: Oh, I picked up some. I'm like,
1: why, mom? Why? Why would you go to the store? There were, you already knew that our friend was coming today to go to the store first. Why would you do that? Why would you put yourself at risk and everybody else in this house? What That's just all I kept saying was why. And at this point, she was like hanging her head down and just like looking like, I don't know, like I guess a teenager being admonished. So I'm like, you know what, mom? That's what I said to her. I said, you know what? You don't live by yourself. You have us in this house with you. If you lived by yourself and you wanted to put yourself at risk, you go right ahead. You do whatever the hell you want to, but you don't live alone. You live with us and you have a very sensitive person in that house. And you, and this is where I feel bad. I go, so you know what? If anything happens to any of us, this is on your hands.
0: And now why did you feel bad? Why would you feel bad saying that? I mean, it's the it's the truth, but it's just
1: like, it's, I mean, you don't ever want to think that you caused someone's, Death, be it your own or a family member's,
0: because you made a stupid choice. You know, it's. But this story that you're sharing, <clears throat> sis, about what happened in your home, it's what's happening in our states. It's what's happening in the country. It's what's happening in the world. These moments of having the hard conversations, speaking the hard words, hearing the hard truths, and having to really reckon with two things. I want to be able to do things with my body and with my life, regardless of how much time I have here, because it's mine, goddammit, and I do not live alone by myself. My actions, my thoughts, my words affect other people. And how do you balance those two? So where are we now with things? How are you and mom now? We're
1: we're fine. I, I was fearing the worst because our mother can be very stubborn, very dig her heels in, and it can take her a while to get over stuff. If she's upset about something, she can keep that with her for quite some time. Um, I think... And my sisters can be like that as well.
0: I, I it is to- one of my favorite traits that mom <laughs> passed down to me. I love grudges. I, I love, you know, like when when you called and said, mom said she's staying in her room for 14 days. I went I went into the living room here and I told my partner, Emily, I said, guess, guess what your mother-in-law has decided to do? She's decided to, fine, leave me alone. I will be in my room for 14 days. And she goes, yep, sounds just like you. So- Yes, I understand. Because
1: our mother happens to be that one too, where if you said, you know, you really shouldn't have said that, that was really her. Fine, Fine. I, will I will never, never say, say anything again. Yeah, never, ever, ever. She's very yeah. extreme. Yeah. So I am the one person, I don't know if it's the Libra trait, the middle child trait, what it is, but I am the quote unquote peacekeeper. Oh, I you forgive
0: everyone and everything. I... I,
1: Something may happen and if it's something major, it might take me like a while longer or I'll still be like, well, that person, the poor thing, you know, compassion here, that and the other. And, you know, I just, I, I will, I will turn soft and forgiving quite quickly, usually within the same day or a few hours, or it could be just a couple minutes. And You it's are
0: gifted it's, like that. Yes.
1: <laughs> when it's with my mom, especially like those clothes, I'm, I can't stay. you know, yes, I was furious, but then when I see her, feeling so hurt and regretful, that just, I, I can't be mad at her anymore. I'm, I'm angry, but I'm not like, but I feel for her. I feel for her hurt. I feel other people's hurts a lot. Anyway, so um, then when I uh, had seen how bad she felt about it, you know, I, I apologized to her for, um, maybe not handling things the best for, for displaying my anger so much. Cause yeah, I could have been tried to be more calm and more gentle with her because this, this is a hard time for everybody. And, you know, just when you are angry and in your anger are not gentle with people, it's, it's still hurtful. Even if you have a right to be angry, even if you're correct in your position, it's a lot better to be calm in your approach. You'll get a lot more out of it than if you handle things in anger is what I have learned. Um, I got very angry with a psychiatrist who made me wait 40 minutes in her uh, waiting room. And then I was left without a psychiatrist. (laughs) And so then when that happened, I was like, wow. So
0: I see a pattern here.
1: I see a pattern here. So when that happened with my mom and I got so angry with her, now she wanted to lock herself in the room for 14 days. And I'm like, which... You supposedly, that's the timeline we're being given for quarantining
0: yeah.
1: um, if you're exposed to the virus. Uh, I'm like, okay, so now I have a mom who wants to isolate herself, who's angry, who's sad. And I'm like, oh, great. So what What? what good did that anger display get me? Yeah, yeah. So trying not to do that. But anyway, so when I talked to her, she's like, I'm, I'm not coming down. I'm wearing gloves. I'm sorry I exposed everyone. And I was like, okay, mom it's very unlikely that you would have right now, especially if, I mean, if you had gone without a mask and gloves, but now I see that you did. So you did practice good self-protection stuff. So we're probably okay. Do I want you to do that again? No, please. We have people in place to do the shopping for us. So please don't do it. It's like, but I just want to stay away from everybody. I, I don't want to expose anybody. It was my fault. And I'm like, you, you know, we're all going to be in the same rooms at some point. Anyway, it's, it's going to be fine. Well, she really only isolated herself for maybe half the day.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Which sounds about the, right.
1: <laughs> which at the end of the day I'm I'm thankful for because I think uh, right now we, we really need each other, even though yes. we all might get on each other's last nerve because we're yes. not used to being together this long, all up under each other like this it's it's difficult to coexist this closely yeah. for this amount of time. It's also a very scary time. So at the same time even though you kind of want to get away and you're not used to being so close, we we need each other. We need each other's support. Um So, so me- I hope. Told- yeah, go ahead. Uh, I told her, you know, if you indeed get sick or start showing symptoms or if any of us does, then we will truly have to isolate sure, that person sure. and it just is what it is. Mm-hmm. Know, but in the meantime that we are all good, just continue to be a normal person in this family and participating because we we need you and it was we've started doing daily family walks. Michaela's only gone with us once on the walks cuz I mean, I'm not going to force her. Uh, to go. She doesn't truly want to. So it just, you know, we all wish that she would join us, but I don't know if she just enjoys that solitude time more or what, but my mom, Eva and I have been taking our daily walks and we, we kind of, you know, have established this routine that we tend to look forward to. So it would have been really weird to go on that walk without her. So I'm glad that she did the walk with us yesterday.
0: Yeah. I'm, I wanted to, to stop for a minute and, you know, you've, you've shared so much. You've shared so much about who you are, uh, your struggles personally as a mom, as a single mom of two girls who are several years apart, a 10-year-old and a 19-year-old. And while you and I are sisters and we both have an, elder, an elderly set of parents you're the one who lives with them. So I believe we're calling that this day and age the sandwich generation, where you are sandwiched between having to be the caretaker of those who are young children and also on the other side, um, having to be the support and caretakers for folks who are elderly and older in age. So you have these two extremes. You're in the middle. And then thank you so much for being so open and willing and honestly brave to talk about your depression and the incidents leading up to the pandemic because I, I rarely hear you talk to anybody about it, let alone complete strangers. But like you said, there, there is something in interacting with your deepest and darkest things differently that changes how you relate to them. When you have something that you struggle with and you keep it so hidden and so secret, and that's how you interact with it, you are not supposed to be here. That is a very different relationship with it. But if you interact with it differently, I love you, my characteristics that hurt me. I love you, the things that I cannot control. I will make time and space for you in my life, the things I wish I didn't have it, you, you interact with it differently and you take away some of its power over you. And so I appreciate you so much for sharing all of that. And I wonder, in all the things that you dropped, it seems like you have been in this moment before of feeling helpless, not knowing what the future was going to be like, um, questioning decisions, being angry um, because of the things that you can't control or the people that you can't control. And, and it seems like in, in the stories of how you were dealing with those other moments that there's, there's group, there's talking, there's um, being vulnerable and sharing, there's um, communicating how you're feeling. What else am I missing that you can share with folks for how you get through those moments, because regardless of how hard the last 40 some years have been for you, you're still here. So how did you manage to stay here? How are you still in that house right now? How are you still here right now with carrying all of that? How are you? How did you get through those moments? How did you get through your eight-year-old, seven-year-old having open-heart surgery? How did you get through, you know, uh, not working and then working all of a sudden? How how did you get through these moments? Well, each each thing has been different. Um, Does any one of them feel like now? Have any of those moments no. translated how you got through them to now? Are you doing the same thing now that you did in any of those other moments? Hmm.
1: Um, you know, I, I, I don't really think so. The, the, the thing that I see myself starting to do that I don't like, that I've done in the other moments... Mm. And which I want to talk to the the therapist or the psychiatrist about. Um, <clears throat> my and I don't okay, so my, my go-to, and I see it as a negative coping mechanism, but what I've heard from others, this is also like I, oh, okay, so I, I guess the, the biggest thing that I've come to learn with all of this stuff is everything in balance. And I guess one of my favorite coping mechanism is okay if it's in balance or in a proper amount of time, as long as it's not overdone. So eating licorice (laughs) for mom, maybe she's a candy person. I'm not. My my go to is sleep or hiding in my room. That's that's my soothing. That's my comfort. That is what I abuse. I abuse sleeping and being in my room. I, I will say that I abuse it um, because I could do that for hours and hours and days of just withdrawing. But from what I hear from, you know, groups that, like, Hey, if you need to take time for yourself, go take a nap, go yeah. be by yourself. Or yeah. a so I hear, I hear in certain situations that can be a good thing. Yeah. But for me, it can be a bad thing because I do it to an excess to where it starts to detrimentally affect good things because I do it so much. So I'm seeing myself. So if you're saying, what can I see? That's it. it, I mean, you asked me what's been getting me through.
0: But Um, wait, but wait. So I have a question for you because this is actually super important. I have interviewed and spoken to people over and over again in the last few weeks. And you know what they cannot do? They cannot sleep. Have you uh, been able to sleep through the night?
1: No. (laughs) last night I had a horrible time sleeping.
0: Oh no. So it just, it
1: depends. So no. So I'll like, you know, try and sleep and isolate during the day to like get away from everything. But then if I sleep too much during the day, then you can't sleep at night. Or even if I didn't sleep a lot during the day, because it's the middle of the night and everyone's asleep and quiet and everything. And now my mind's racing and I can't get the stupid, stuff about the virus and stuff that's going on out of my head. And it just keeps going on and on and on. I'm like, Oh, just oh see, I thought you, you were going to sleep. tell me
0: that you had a, you discovered a superpower that you've had this whole time no. that you can sleep through anything. You didn't no. sleep. You're not sleeping. This is not good.
1: No, there are times at night, like some nights I can, but last night I couldn't. And then it's always like interrupted. Like for some reason, about three I'll wake up and then I'll have like a hard time going back to sleep. But that's been the more, Constant lately, but then last night was just awful. I just could not get a good sleep. But um, coping throughout the years has has looked different, and there's been different things that have gotten me through each different situation. Um, the 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 withdrawing and the sleeping has been a constant coping mechanism. Whether it was partly good and partly bad, but like during my first episode, the things that helped was having a mom who knew what I needed at the time. My first episode when I was 19 and in college, it was the first time I ever lived out of the house. And all of a sudden I was super sad and could not quit crying and could not bring myself to go to class. And I called my mom and I described to her what was happening. And I said, I don't know what's going on. Because I mean, I'd never heard of depression. I don't even think I've even ever heard of it at that point in my life. Things are so much different now in this day and age. People talk about I mean, even though mental health isn't where it's should ideally be right, in as far right. as being discussed and treated, compared to where it was 30 years ago, oh, my God, it's so much better. We still have a long way to go, but, but it's here's, so much But here's better. what's
0: interesting. You're trying to tell me that every time is very different. Yes, I hear that. I got that. But one of the things that you said was your go-to every time was isolating, was going to bed, sleeping and doing things in an extreme what the hell do you think we're asking everyone to do right now isolate and be extreme in our yeah, isolation so it's <laughs> Funny
1: because everyone in the depression group said hey if anyone's cut out for this one yeah
0: y'all are ready <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> y'all are ready
1: because friends that i have that cannot stay home and cannot be still are having yeah. such a hard time yeah. with this
0: Yes, and right
1: now that's I'm our mother hard- by the way Right. I, 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 I'm, I'm cool with being home and being still. That doesn't bother me at all. The part (laughs) that's hard is having everybody home and having the 10 year old up my wazoo. Oh my God. She, I, I, I love my little girl, but she is definitely the most challenging
0: part of this quarantine. Yeah, because she's 10 and she's an extrovert and she, you know, (laughs) while she has an older sister, she's really an only child. And so, you know, she, she wants, she wants her friend and she wants any friend. She wants anything. She told me she took a shower for fun. You know, like I, I get it. I get it. But again, I do want to remind you, you have, you, you are best for this you are suited for this you are going to be all right in fact yes, if they get more extreme and they say you know what stay home isolate from even the people that you live with and the best way that you could protect yourself is sleep and get as much sleep as possible girl forget even having a bingo card you're just a bingo game observer at this point
1: yeah i i, I am definitely cut out for this self-isolation thing definitely this is in my wheelhouse
0: If there are other siblings and friends and family listening right now, and they have somebody who they know also struggles with depression, what should we who don't, who love y'all, what should we be doing right now? What is helpful right now for you to be reminded of the balance to, even if you say no, every time, ask every time, if you want to go for a walk, to not ask if you want to talk, but to reach out and tell you that we love you. What brings you comfort right now that the rest of us could do it because you are not the only person and there are people listening right now who either are you and they're like, please say this, please say this, please say this, or they're me and the rest of our family who are like, yeah, what can we do? Please give us something.
1: I would say... Um The most helpful things are to um, check in with them. Always, I think it's good to check in and say, you know, I I just want to see how you're doing. The problem is when you're severely depressed, there are some times that you don't want to be bothered. You just want to be left alone. And if someone's persistent in a certain sort of way, it will make things worse, I guess. Yeah. Um, but if you do things in a certain way, then you know that someone cares and that they're there for you versus, Oh my God, you're bugging me. You need to leave me alone. So there's that, again, the, the fine balance. So if you can be one that just hit and says, Hey, I just want you to know that I'm thinking about you and that I'm here. And if you need anything, let me know. Or what can I do to help? Or and it, and sometimes for some people they can't even articulate what they need right, or what they right, want. So right. you can even just suggest, "Can we go for a walk? Let's let's get out and go. For, let's, you know, let's." And in any activity, when you are severely depressed, any activity is very difficult. To get up and get out and walk is a huge accomplishment and we'll look back at things and say either how silly or how sad that something that a quote-unquote normal person would look at as just a daily normal thing for us it's a great accomplishment to have gotten up out of bed huge (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. a huge accomplishment Mm -hmm. to have brushed your teeth And taking a shower. Huge accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To have changed your clothes. Huge accomplishment. And you're like, what? These are basic daily tasks. For when you're feeling normal. When you are, and and obviously a severe, this is severe depression. Mm -hmm. Getting up, getting out of bed, chef. Basic self-care is difficult. It gets that bad. Basic self-care is difficult. So when you say, oh, well, so to ask you to be social or be interactive or to do more than basic self-care, you can just imagine how much more challenging that can be for someone who's in a severe state. Um, So... Yeah, I think, and then, like, well, can I help you? Like, I always get the most upsetting things <laughs> for me with um, my, with you and, and with mom. Oftentimes people with, with good intentions. Let me help you clean this. Okay, yes, we do want certain things cleaned up. But if someone says, please don't touch this because I have it, you may see it as a chaotic mess. But as if they see it in my mess, I know where things are. We're, try and respect that. You can, you know, try and clean up like trash, I guess. You know, no one's going to get, most people won't get mad at trash if there's empty, you know, water bottles or whatnot, but papers, certain things, because believe me, in the mess, we tend to know where things are. And when people go through our mess, then we no longer know where things are. And it's just that much more frustrating or we feel like things are that much more insurmountable because now not only is there, now we just really don't know where things are. So it's it's kind of nice if you can say, you know, if if when you ask someone who has severe depression, how can I help, and they say no for something, like no, don't do that, do this, believe them and and respect that. Um, whatever they do ask you for help with, if you can do it, great. Um, try and re- respect the boundaries, but if if you see them getting to the point of you know self harm and you, right. you see that right. step in do whatever you need to to keep them from the self harm if that's having to um call a doctor um you know i i've heard with different people they they may be they may get really mad but they'll get over it um i i've been fortunate well, i'd say fortunate for me that i've never been actively suicidal in terms of i've never Taken any steps, but many of the people that um, were in or that are in my groups have been active and taking steps. Um, I've just hated existing and wish something would happen to me. <laughs> so now I know that that's called being passively suicidal, which I didn't even know that there was a name for it before, but now I can put a name to it. Um, uh, yeah, so just and then if you say you're going to check in, oh, well, you know, I'm going to check in because sometimes people say they're going to check in and they don't. And then you kind of feel abandoned too. A couple minutes just to say, Hey, how are you doing? And if we feel like talking, we will. And if we don't, then we won't, but it's nice to have someone, you know, when they say they're going to check in, check in and just say, Hey, I just wanted to see how you were doing. And if, if we just feel like we have to unleash or like, Oh, you know, good. I have someone that I can just tell them, sure. uh, and helping to find a therapist, you have, okay, so people that have never dealt with much medical stuff or those that have will totally know how difficult it is to find providers to make the phone calls, to right. get the appointment. Well, it maybe- makes sense.
0: If, if you said just getting out of bed and brushing your teeth and showering is, is exhausting and is so challenging to do, I can't even imagine picking up the phone, being on hold, making an appointment, getting in the car, getting there on time, all of those things. It's a huge domino effect. And so I appreciate you sharing to check in with folks when you say you're going to do it to make sure that there's follow through to respect people's boundaries. When they say, don't do that, don't do that. And when they say, this is how you could help to really be there. And if you can do it to follow through with that. So I appreciate those things. I have one last question for you. Oh,
1: let me finish real quick though. The appointments though, because that's Mm -hmm. huge. If you can by any chance help make the appointments or help find, help them find or go through the steps to come up with a list of providers to get help, that is huge because when you feel like, you would say if you've dealt with it when you're in a normal state, how frustrating and overwhelming it can be to deal with the calling and the looking up providers is just a lot on, on the normal given day. So when yeah. you're not feeling good, it's just so hard to get there. So if you're in a position where you can help someone find a provider mm-hmm. for the uh, therapy for the medication, for whatever kind of help that they need, if you can be that one to help hold their hand and fighting a provider that is huge. Um, my dear interviewer here, Felicia has done that for me and <laughs> helping me find the providers when I needed them. And that was huge. And I will always be super grateful for that.
0: So, well, let me helps. just, let me just say that the help wasn't in helping and doing the work for you. The transformative help was sitting with you and you did it, sis. You did the work You were on those phone calls. You went to those sessions. My job was just to be there with you so that you didn't feel alone when you were doing it. Oh,
1: that was the other thing that I, you know, just in finishing that topic up because Felicia went the extra mile and had never, I'd never gotten that bad where I needed someone to do that for me because not only in helping me find the providers at, you know, two different times. But this last time when I was really bad, I'm like, can you go with me to the appointments? Because that's how bad I was feeling just the thought of getting in a car and driving. And I just, I just, it it was, I didn't feel like I had it in me and I felt like it was going to be so much easier to do if I had someone with me. So again, if you can be, if you can be that support for someone and helping them to get to the providers and even accompanying them on to the appointment, if that can be done, that's, those are huge steps. If the person that is struggling has gotten to that point where they really need it.
0: And again, the most crucial step was you asking for help and being very specific on how that help needed to come to you. So really share what you need and those who are listening, who are asking, how can I help? to really match the willingness and the follow through to do it. And I I really appreciate you being so very specifically tangible on what that looks like, because I think what we're discovering in this conversation is in so many interviews, people are talking about, you know what we need, we need a healthcare system that works. We need, we need doctors in a healthcare system where people won't lose their homes while they go to the doctor where people won't lose everything that they have, their entire savings just because they have to go get help. But what you have been sharing is, yeah, and when you have that healthcare, when you have those doctors, when you have the time, when you don't have anything to lose, there is still a transformation that we need in our healthcare system to also provide help just to navigate it. When you are not well, whether it's from depression in your case or me for having constant brain tumors and a chronic illness and a constant need to have chemo, it is difficult and challenging anyone who has to regularly be on top of their healthcare, how challenging it is to manage all the bills, all the appointments, all the being on hold, all the conversations, all the phone calls and work and have a family. And, and be a full, full human being. It's no wonder people don't go to the doctors. It's exhausting just to get in the door. Exactly.
1: And I was good with being an advocate for my oldest one with all of her specialists. Which is also exhausting. Cardiologist and, and everything. Yeah. And to be my own advocate was a lot more difficult. Well, it's exhausting.
0: It's exhausting. And as parents and as older people, you know, you put everyone else before you. And as someone who doesn't want to deal with what their issues are, it's really great to put everyone else's needs in front of your own too.
1: Yeah. it's, It's coming to the point to realizing and having to accept that I matter too, and that I have to take care of myself.
0: So to that end, the last question, sis. And, and I know this is going to be challenging for you, but I think you can do it. I need you to imagine that it's five years from now and it's 2025. You're five years older. I'm five years older. Mom's five years older. Your children are five years older. The planet is and so is our healthcare system. And you are at a gathering, whether it's at home or someplace else, and you find yourself saying the following sentence, how would you complete it? You know, I'm actually really grateful for the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm grateful because at least now I or we have blank. Listeners, she's making a face like I've lost my mind.
1: <laughs> Cuz now at least we have blank like some it's just weird because I'm thinking I'm like oh like this wonderful invention or something wonderful came out of it.
0: Um, what do you think could possibly come out of this? that we could look back and be grateful for?
1: <laughs> you know what? The, this is funny, but the, the literal first thing mm-hmm. that came to mind,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> this is interesting memories.
0: <laughs> that was it? So you would say, you know, I'm actually really grateful that the pandemic oh, happened because well, at least really now, beautiful. now we have really great memories <laughs> of doing what?
1: But actually, yeah, you know, kind of because... You, I think everyone is discovering this right now, that we are, and it wouldn't have ever happened unless by force, we are being forced to slow down. We are being forced to live a different type of life, because before the pandemic, everything was packed in, jam-packed, how much can you do in a day and a week? and still have some semblance of sanity so and even before the pandemic our lives were kind of changing in terms of okay so my kids have been competitive dancers and that means being at the dance studio or at some kind of dance rehearsal on various dance teams and dance studios uh five to six days a week which would be like the average for us and then competitions you know or rehearsals and so I was, we were never at home. We never ate at home. We were always on the go. And whenever anyone asked us to do anything, oh, we can't, we have a competition. We have a rehearsal. We have this, you know. Um, yeah. So there was a lot of things, you know, friends, weddings, play dates, birthday parties. Oh, we're going to have to miss. They have a comp. They have a this, they have a that. And now, um we have all this time to be with each other. It was like, it's like a reset. We're taking a major reset. And I don't know how the reset will be after we all go back. It's like, will we go back to all the same things? We had already changed a lot. Eva's only thing now is basketball. So I think we had, we as a family luckily or ironically had already started to slow down a lot. Um, but you know the the one-on-one time i've had with eva playing basketball with her getting on a bike after several years and going bike riding with her while she skateboards just watching her play um well, the other night when you guys did uh uh playing uno virtually with the kids in berkeley and the kids down here and you yeah, guys know, yeah that was one of the best freaking times yeah. i loved that yeah. so some of the, I would say one of the best things that came out of it is some of the new bonds, some of mm. the new bonding that's taken place,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the, the time that we got to slow down. Mm-hmm. I mean, because this literally, no one would have had the time or made the time because l- literally the entire world has slowed down. Yeah. And everyone's in a completely different place where it's like, all you have is each other. You know, there was always these outside, you have to play with somebody outside, this, that. So we wouldn't interact with each other because we had all these outside people to do things with. So now we're like, okay, it's just us. So what are we going to do? Just us. And so it's these renewed bonds and different memories that we would have never had had we not had had this forced breakdown, uh, reset, pause. It's a forced pause. You know what's interesting? actually kind of nice
0: it is kind of nice and as I was listening you say just us just us it starts to sound like another phrase justice and there's something about justice and at the heart of justice a rebalance a restart an ability to get back something that you lost or was taken and to feel like there's something that's now right it's put back in the right place things are now right instead of feeling off or wrong. And so I'm not surprised that times, feelings, words, phrases, things, you know, sound or can be seen as familiar or interesting, how they sound kind of the same or feel kind of the same. And I, I appreciate the time, so much time in fact, that you've given us on this interview. Um, So much of yourself sharing what it's been like the last um, few years and a few months and a few days, sharing openly about fighting uh, in the middle of being on top of each other and of forgiveness, um, of being held accountable to one another and of really appreciating in the mess and chaos of crap everywhere. Like you said, even in the mess of the spaces where you live sometimes, you know where things are. And in this mess that we are in, I think we are also learning that we know where things are and where we put them. I know where I put my love. I know where I put my time. I know where I put my appreciations. I know where I put my gratitude. And I know where I'm putting you, which is always, always so close to my heart. So thank you, sis lena for sharing your insight and your wisdom since i was a kid to now and i look forward to continue to learn from you and with you in this time and as we hopefully have many more days months and years to come together you've been listening to been there done that your pandemic survival podcast stay well and stay human